Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. No, Gavin, I'm not giving you the day off so that you can grieve for Prince Philip. I've read your live journal. You don't even like the monarchy. Ass. The following podcast contains... Are you always this pissy when you're conducting an investigation? Susan, I believe pissy is a vulgar word. Really? Gee, I hear it used all the time. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you needed to consult a star chart to decide whether or not to sign that nuclear deal, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 308. Never mind, I I didn't see your sign. And it's part one of a series called Why Do You Believe This Crap? And here, we're talking about astrology and how incredibly fucking annoying people who are into astrology really are. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Edna Blavitt's Psychic Rita. The answer to your questions revealed. Are you seeking advice from the spirit world about your love life, a financial matter, trying to communicate with a lost loved one? Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader is here to help you reach out to the other side. Tarot cards, palm reading, astrology, crystal scene, all tools Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader uses to see the hidden and know the unknown. Act now for a free psychic aura reading by Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader, who looks into the shifting colors of your soul and sees the true you. Spells, counter spells, hexing, dehexing, cursing, and curse breaking, all for a reasonable fee at Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader. When you can't find your way, Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader will find the way for you. Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader is for entertainment purposes only. No promises of actual results are given or implied. See our website, Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader LLC.com for details. The mysteries of the universe can be yours with Edna Blavitt's Psychic Reader. Do you like pausing at that stage and feeling an audience go, where's he going with this? <laughs> Unexpected twist, isn't it? Very down on racism, and they'll say that racism is one of the worst social evils they can imagine. How dare you do that, they say. How dare you ascribe to me personality traits? You don't even know me, but you tell me that you know me, and you know these things about me. And you say I share these personality traits with this huge group of people, and I don't even know them, you don't know them. And you say not only do we have these same character traits, but we have some sort of common history and some common destiny. And you make all of these horrible presumptions on the back of what? On the back of a fluke of birth. How dare you do that? What? Ooh, Capricorn. One of the problems with living as long as I have lived, totally unexpectedly, by the way, is seeing all the really dumb things from the past come around again. Racism? No. No, that would have to go away in the first place for it to come back. No, I'm talking about annoying pop culture things that were really fucking stupid the first time around, but now I'm seeing them in the reboot, and I'm just realizing this new version is worse than the original. For example, I am just old enough to remember when everyone in the 1970s was really into astrology. 
Are you an Aquarius? Even as a fucking kid, there was always that one other kid on the playground whose mom smoked one joint in 1969 and is now big into the counterculture, meaning she has a peace sign on her wall and reads her horoscope in the National Enquirer every goddamn week. And that kid would all the time parrot her mom's shit about you being so predictable because you're an Aries. You know what? Fuck you, Diamond Blossom. You don't know me. We just barely learned our multiplication tables and you're coming at me like you know the secrets of the universe? I'm trying to hang out on the monkey bars here. And it didn't help that it was all over the fucking movies and TV shows we watched. Bad enough I had to see Don Knotts in a fucking leisure suit on Three's Company without knowing he's a fucking tourist because of the goddamn dangling necklace. So you failed. Big deal. Look at me. I fail almost everything I've ever tried. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. The Ropers were better than Mr. Furley, but that's why they got their own TV show. And every romantic matchup in the 1970s was predicated on a Zodiac match, and entire sitcom plots would revolve around some horrible horoscope prediction. And even as a kid, I knew that that was all like, This is some bullshit. The Reagan revolution was a net negative for America, but at least the advent of rampant greed and conspicuous consumption took astrology out of the day-to-day's discourse, if not out of the White House, as we'll learn a little bit later on. My generation wanted nothing to do with the Zodiac or horoscopes, and for decades it languished on the funny pages and in the nuttier segments of society. Ask a 20-something in the 90s what their sign was, and you were as liked as you'd have them respond, fuck you, that's my sign, as anything else. Charming, absolutely charming. Look, my generation realized early on we were fucked and we gave up even pretending. So to be sure, astrology was still around, but it was considered foolish to discuss over the age of 13. I cannot remember a single person, aside from one woman who thought she was a witch, ever asking me my sign between the mid-80s and the end of the century. And pod friends, I was happy for a brief moment in time. Yeah, well, it won't last. It did not. It was probably 10 years or so ago when I was first noticing that something was up. I was at a bar. Yes, of course you were. And I found myself in a conversation with a woman. It wasn't a date, just a serendipitous meeting of two like-minded people drinking at 1 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. We really hit it off. She laughed at my jokes. I laughed at her jokes. We shared political views and had some chemistry between us. And that's when she asked me what my birthday was. And I thought she meant, how old was I? And she said, no. Day, month, year. I told her. She grabbed a cocktail napkin and began scribbling something and then said, Do you know what time you were born? Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Shields up. Load all torpedo bays. Stand by phasers. Warp factor 8. Engage. I glanced out at her napkins and she was doing my fucking birth chart. On <laughs> the goddamn thing. And in that second... This attractive, intelligent person with whom I was vibing transformed into someone I couldn't spend one more goddamn minute with. I went to the bathroom and returned with an excuse to bail. See, the problem here is, is that my little brother this morning got his arm caught in the microwave and, and uh, my grandmother dropped acid and she freaked out and hijacked a school bus full of penguins. So it's kind of a family crisis. And I got the fuck out of there because astrology was back and this time... I was taking it personal. Of course, astrology's always been with us ever since early man stared up into the heavens and saw the stars spinning above us and thought, then they must mean something. 
As far back as 30,000 years, we've found star maps painted on the cave walls or carved into a mammoth asshole as our ancestors recorded these vitally important reference points for posterity. Indeed, it's widely conjectured that Stone Age humanity were navigating by the stars over land and sea as we spread out across the globe. So I guess it's only natural they would also see these mystical lights in the sky not only as guides to the land of the great yak herd, but as gods for divination of the future. In the second millennium BCE in Babylonia, that's where we first see the first concrete proof of a coherent zodiac system, though some speculate it could go back as far as much as a thousand years before that to the Sumerians. Those, those people are stupid. I hate those people. Hey, this podcast does not stand for anti-Sumerian talk, Gavin. Shame on you. And back then, it was all pretty much weather prediction and whether or not the king should doink out an heir to the throne this week. They didn't have the math to know where a planet would be at some point in time or where they were in the past. They just knew where they were right now. So the predictions were pretty banal and vague. The king had his court astrologers to tell him when to go to war. And if they were wrong, he killed them and got new astrologers. Hell. I'd be a lot more invested in contemporary astrology if our seers had that kind of skin in the game. Uh, Ted, uh, I read here on January 5th, 2020 on astrology.com that this year was going to be my big year, Ted. Well, seeing as it wasn't and you missed the whole pandemic thing, I'm afraid we're going to have to terminate your position. And you. Off with his head. It wasn't until the 6th century BCE when something that might be recognizable to us as astrology really took shape. Horoscopic and natal astrology began to grow out of increased scientific method in the Near East. Not exactly scientific. Well, other methods of divination common at the time were observing the flights of birds out of a specific window, or if you really needed the truth, you slaughtered a sheep and read its entrails. The bumps on a liver were particularly accurate. If by accurate, you know, you were trying to divine whether or not you'd be having mutton for dinner that evening. Horoscopic astrology was the big thing for about a thousand years. Hellenistic Egypt, Greece, Rome, the Byzantine Empire, the Islamic Empire, all heavily relied on their astrologers. The three wise men in the New Testament weren't just three dudes generally considered to be reliable opinions on difficult questions. They were astrologers who read the stars and discovered some shit was going down in Lower Galilee. Oh, God. Oh, oh it's Jesus. It's Jesus. In the West, astrology kind of fell out of favor after the Goths kicked over Rome's anthill and generally fell out of favor because the church frowned on any outside magic cutting in on their action. And it wasn't until the 12th and 13th century CE that astrology began working its way back into the Western lexicon of nonsense. Largely due to all the Christians going over and killing the Muslims in Spain in the Holy Land, and they brought back gold t-shirts that read, I sacked Jerusalem and killed everyone in it and all I got was a stupid t-shirt. And a lot of books of lost Greek and Roman knowledge carefully and maintained and expanded on by the very people they were there to kill. These, these lips were made to praise Jesus. By the Renaissance, astrology was a core curricula in any liberal arts education and completely infused in the culture and science of Europe. The very people who created the science of astronomy, Tycho Brahe, Galileo Galilei, and Johannes Kepler, all practicing astrologers. 
but their discoveries would also be the end of astrology as a serious consideration. By the time we understood we are not the center of the universe, astrology as a science was no longer a thing, but astrology as an art in and of itself was still distressingly popular. Historian of science Anne Geneva writes, as quoted from Wikipedia, quote, Astrology in the 17th, in 17th century England was not a science, it was not a religion, it was not a magic. Nor was astronomy, mathematics, puritanism, neoplatism, psychology, meteorology, alchemy, or witchcraft. It used some of these as tools, it held tenets in common with others, and some people were adept at several of these skills, but in the final analysis, it was only itself a unique divinatory and prognostic art embodying centuries of accreted methodologies and traditions, unquote. I have focused on Western astrology for reasons. The first one is it's the form commonly practiced in America today. The second, because it's the one that annoys me the most. And third, because the other big astrology, the Chinese zodiac, is its own thing. And frankly, the Asian community has got enough shit going on without me dumping on them myself with my stupid podcast. It's just suffice to say that every human culture has developed their own form of astrology, and they all share a few common elements but differ greatly in how the art is applied, and all of them have an app which is consulted by an annoying person who wants to tell me whether or not their stars say whether they should winter in Cabo this year. And also, yes, it's true. More women are into astrology than men. This does not make women stupid. It makes an individual stupid if they're into astrology, but it has nothing to do with sex or gender. The same way that a guy is stupid because one time his team won, we didn't wash his balls, so he didn't fucking wash his balls for an entire football season. You're not stupid because you're a man or a woman. You're stupid because you believe in a stupid thing. So, here is this ancient thing that only exists basically in any coherent form in practitioners of the esoteric arts, meaning magic believers, and it lay fairly dormant for centuries. So how is it here today? How did it become so fucking ubiquitous? And how did something that otherwise serious people will look me dead in the eye and talk about water signs? There's only one fucking water sign I want to hear about. And that's the one that reads, beware of alligators next to a Florida canal because if I watch that song long enough, long enough eventually some drunk shithead is going to get eaten by an alligator. Well, if you want to know why we have astrology, you have to meet R.H. Taylor. Still not over that bit. From smithsonianmagazine.com in 2016, quote, The first real newspaper horoscope column is widely credited to R.H. Naylor, a prominent British astrologer of the first half of the 20th century. Naylor was an assistant to high society neo-shaman Cheerio, born William Warner, a decidedly less shamanistic name who read the palms of Mark Twain, Grover Cleveland, and Winston Churchill, and was routinely tapped to do celebrity star charts. Chiro, however, wasn't available in August 1930 to do the horoscope for recently born Princess Margaret. So, Britain's Sunday Express newspaper asked Naylor on August 24, 1930, three days after the princess's birth, to write one. Naylor's published report predicted her life would be, quote, eventful, unquote. 
an accurate, if not entirely inspired forecast, given that she was, after all, a princess. He didn't, it appears, foresee Princess's later star-crossed romances and a lifelong love affair with alcohol and cigarettes. He also noted that, quote, events of tremendous importance to the royal family and the nation will come about near her seventh year, unquote. A prediction that was somewhat more precise and seemed to ring true right about the time that her uncle, King Edward VIII, abdicated the throne to her father, unquote. Nayla even went on to make a few more predictions that appeared to come true, particularly the R101 dirigible crash of October 5th, 1930. He wrote in late September of that year, quote, a British aircraft will be in danger between October 8th and October 15th. Oh, how frighteningly specific. Based on the strength of that prediction, Naylor landed a weekly column in the Daily Express paper in England. In a 2010 article in the Daily Express about Naylor, they said, quote, Initially, Naylor's forecast were by birth date rather than by star sign. But by 1937, he was also given weekly predictions for each 12 sun signs, a.k.a. star signs, and calling his column your stars. Before long, every big selling national newspaper was running its own horoscope column, although Naylor was the undisputed king of newspaper astrologers, receiving up to 28,000 letters a week. As Fleet Street legend Arthur Christensen, who made his name on the Sunday Express before going to edit the Daily Express from 1932 to 1956, later observed, Nayla and his horoscopes became a power in the land. If he said that Monday was a bad day for buying, then the buyers of more than one West End store waited for the stars to become more propitious. His column was a huge success, unquote. Not that Naylor was omniscient. I mean, he did miss that whole little war that happened between 1939 and 1945. I mean, I guess the stars didn't think that was information that might be relevant to the people of England or indeed the rest of the fucking world. And for about a generation, astrology and horoscopes faded a bit from the bigger zeitgeist until the boomers came along. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius, Aquarius. Lest you think, pod friends, the age of Aquarius is just a singularly shitty song from the musical Hair. The answer, sadly, is not yes. It was a thing. All the groovy kids were into it. Well, not all the groovy kids. Some of the groovy kids weren't white enough or wealthy enough to be into the age of Aquarius. So, you know, they were more into the age of getting drafted and going to Vietnam. But those that were loving, those that stayed back here, were loving the shit out of it. What is this age the hippies were so into? Well, officially it is... Uh, no. You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain it because it's, it is ridiculously complicated, but also not a real thing. Even fucking astrologers can't even agree on when it is. We could be in it now, or it could be till 2600 BCE or AC. No one knows what the fuck it is because it's not a real thing. Also, it's based on the spring equinox in the northern hemisphere, meaning the entire southern hemisphere is shit out of luck. I, 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 forget about what it technically means and just let me tell you what it fucking means to the boomers. 
Tripping our balls off. Exactly. From a website sponsored by the Miami University, and it says of the Age of Aquarius, quote, The term Age of Aquarius, long used in astrology, assumed its new significance for young and uninhibited devotees when the musical show Hair linked its popular rock lyrics to an unforgettable melody and provided new zany explanation for the way rock audiences face the vicissitudes of life. It denoted boundary violation, carefree abandonment, humor, and a venue for imbibing, for imbibing booze, dope, nudity, sex, and upbeat music. Mostly, but not exclusively rock. People, mostly young, tired of pompous cliches and worn out admonitions of their parents, decided that with the dawning of the age of Aquarius, they would no longer need the sanction of the hegemony to survive in life. Instead, they put their faith in the open set of values that were at the same time naively honest, revolutionary, and kind. But those which, above all, celebrated life. For most celebrants, their revels represented more than appeasing appetites as the Roaring Twenties parties deemed. The new generation had a cultic concern for making and living in a better world and backing away from the repressive Cold War behavioral codes and military mentality that characterized American political rhetoric, unquote. And as you can see, by the world we live in now, the boomers succeeded and bringing the ideals of the age of Aquarius to fruition, and we all just live in one big fucking paradise. That was sarcasm. By the time the 70s were really chugging along, astrology got folded into all the general New Age bullshit that dominated so much of the pop culture. People had their charts done while waiting for their S classes and then went to their tantric yoga sessions, all in an attempt to find themselves. This meant exploring crazy bullshit, getting married, having their first kid while working on a commune for a year before going back to college for a couple of years. And there, at college, they finally found out who they really were. Whiny, narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy. Give me that, it's mine! <laughs> Give me that, it's mine! After they found themselves, they promptly divorced their first wife, abandoned their first kids, got a job in corporate America, and voted for Ronald fucking Reagan. Speaking of Reagan, Nancy Reagan was big into astrology. It's probably where she came up with that just say no bullshit. After Ron was shot, she brought a full-time astrologer on staff at the fucking White House. Stop out of here with that bullshit. No, really. Her name was Joan Quigley, and she was an astrologer to the stars, and she secretly advised Nancy from the Los Angeles Times, quote, Quigley later said that over the next seven years, she issued guidance for pay that went far beyond the mundane scheduling matters to the matters of diplomacy, Cold War politics, and even the timing of the president's cancer surgery, unquote. Quigley had to be fired by Reagan's chief of staff after seven years of advising the Reagans. You know, the 1980s makes so much more sense when you're in possession of this little nugget of information. You're welcome. As I said, the 90s were not big astrology years and remained mostly a niche for hot proto-goth girls who believe they practice magic and, of course, newspaper columnists. But as the internet came into its own, astrology found a natural home. 
One of the most popular internet astrologers, Susan Miller, launched AstrologyZones.com in 1975, presumably with cute little animated GIFs advising the reader that the site was under construction. It remains one of the most popular horoscope sites on the web today. In its early years, astro online astrology was largely enthusiasts chatting about it, sharing tips and sources, and doing their little charts for each other. But as Web 2.0 came along, now you could do a lot more than just talk about it you could also it's a surefire way to make lots of money because before the internet if you wanted a real chart done you had to schlep downtown to a small dingy shop that raked a patchouli and feet to a woman with a romani name who was actually named marge and was born in poughkeepsie to and she would slowly upsell you on more details that she's totally pulling out of her ass to predict your future but now, pod friends, you can log on, click in some details about your birth date, time, and location, input your credit card number, and the website will do all the upselling and pulling nonsense out of its digital ass without the need to smell patchouli or dirty feet. So amazing how far technology has come. And millennials love it. And I ain't here to millennial bash. But they do fucking love this nonsense, like they love avocado toast. And ironically, they're just like their parents in that respect. And astrology is big business for millennials. A 2019 New Yorker, New Yorker article summed it up like this, quote, In its penetration into our shared lexicon, astrology is a little like psychoanalysis once was. At mid-century, you might have heard of talk of id, ego, or superego at a party. Now it's common to hear someone explain herself by way of a sun, moon, or rising sign. It's not just that you hear it, it's who's saying it. People who aren't kooks or climate change deniers, who see no contradiction between using astrology and believing in science, unquote. Nor is it just entrepreneurial bullshit artists holding online readings and seminars on how the fucking stars can guide your life. Corporations are cashing in too. Of course they are. From that same New Yorker article, quote, the corporate world has taken note of the public's appetite. Last year, astrologer Rebecca Gordon partnered with a lingerie brand agent provocateur to produce a Zodiac-themed event where customers could use their Venus signs to, in Gordon's word, find their personal styles. This spring, Amazon sent out shopping horoscopes to Prime Insider subscribers. Astrology is also being used to help launch businesses. This summer, the 46-year-old siblings Ophira and Tali Adut, known as the Astro Twins, started Astropreneur's Summer Camp, a seven-week web-based course. Participants analyzed their birth charts to determine whether they were influencers, experts, or maven messengers, and got advice on how to tailor their professional plans accordingly, unquote. I would like you to take a moment to ponder what I just said. Amazon is sending shopping horoscopes, and the article, without an eye roll, used the term astropreneurs. I'd like you to ponder that 
Well, I remind you that fucking astrology is not a thing. It's not real the same way Santa Claus isn't real and that Orlando Bloom is not an elf named Legolas. Just let that marinate for a moment. And what is worse, that the rest of us are expected to just go along with this like it's a real fucking thing. The Atlantic did an article in 2018 about millennials in astrology, and deep in the article was this paragraph, quote, I think it's become generally less acceptable to just arbitrarily shit on things as like, that's not rational or that's stupid because that's not fact, says Nicole Leffer, a 28-year-old software engineer who lives in New York. Bugby, the editor-in-chief of The Cut, noticed this shift a couple of years ago. I could just tell that people were sick of a certain kind of snarky tone, she said. Up to that point, the site had been running slightly irreverent horoscopes with gifts meant to encapsulate the week's mood for each sign, but Bugby realized that people wanted sincerity more than anything, so we just kind of went full sincere with the horoscopes, and that's when we saw the real interest happen. Unquote. How about no? Look, I get it. I can look at when astrology has been historically popular in modern history and spot the trend lines of times of great political, social, and economic upheaval pretty fucking easily. 1930s, the 1960s, and 70s, and again after 2008's economic trash crash. I totally understand the allure of something that purports to tell you what you should do. And I appreciate that millennials turn to astrology for their bullshit rather than the church. Can I tell you how happy that makes me? And I know that most of you don't actually believe in this, but also, you kind of do. Admit it. You have read your horoscope and said something like, well, that's scary accurate or how it describes personality types to someone because they are, say, a Gemini with total sincerity, and you kinda do believe this shit, and that's not good. It's just replacing one bullshit, say religion, with the exact same bullshit only with a different name. And people are using this bullshit to scam people, normal people, Lay people like you every goddamn day. If you have ever paid for a penny, a fucking penny, given your email address to anyone for a horoscope or a chart or a reading or have some feet smelling fake Romani read your aura, you've been scammed. So when I point this out, I'm not just being the cranky old man who doesn't get millennials in the youth culture. I know that's what you're thinking. I'm being a fucking rational human being. The stars do not tell fortunes, nor can they describe our personality. When an astrologer says that I, a Gemini, am a, quote, gentle, affectionate, curious, adaptable, ability to learn quickly and exchange ideas, unquote, sort of person, well, yeah. Who wouldn't want to be those things? But it's funny how I've never had an astrology or a star chart say neurotic asshole with a fear of commitments, alcohol dependency, and an abiding fear, fear of failure, which is equally as accurate as the gentle affectionate bullshit. It's just some generic platitudes designed to make you feel good about yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that unless you're paying for it or making life decisions based on it. That makes you a fucking 
idiot. And it's your life. You can do whatever you want with it. Just don't expect me not to roll my eyes and ghost you at the bar when you bring it up to me and do not bring it up to me. The only time I want to hear about a horoscope is that one fucking astrologer who wrote in February 2020, quote, you'll spend the next 365 days in your apartment drinking too much and doing online video conferencing while trying to convince your parents that going to church will kill them, unquote, because that would be an actual goddamn prediction. But no one made that prediction because, again, astrology isn't real and no one would ever pay for a bummer like that. (laughs) That is it for our show this week. This show's part of a little series we're doing called Why Do You Believe This Crap? Next week, Myers-Briggs. Oh, yeah. If you thought I pissed off people with astrology, wait till I started with that INTJ bullshit and then Enneagrams. That may actually cost me a friend, but I'm going to do it for science. Speaking of science, rate and review the show wherever you get your pods. It will help others find the show and wonder how you could scientifically rate us so high when we're clearly not that good. Follow me on the social, the hell underscore podcast on Twitter or the show name on Facebook. I make all my predictions on the future there every day about things like, will I drink later on that day or will I say something really stupid and offensive? And yes, I will. All of my stupid and offensive drunken ramblings are at the well at the hell podcast.com. And you can support those stupid offensive drunken ramblings at patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. We are a proud member of the Seltzer Kings podcast network who keep asking me to cut back on the stupid offensive drunken ramblings to which I say, uh, it's not in the stars. So for me, Dave, be mindful of the choices you make regarding your career path today, Gemini. You're operating under some powerful fantasy-prone thinking as the dreamy moon merges with reality-bending Neptune. Self-assertive Mars finds itself in a hard aspect to shape-shifting Neptune as well, making you prone to act on uninformed choices. It's best to hang back and catch up on rest rather than plow ahead today. Bloodsome, producer, it's hard to see straight under Friday skies, Sagittarius. The cosmic landscape is thick with dense, disoriented fog as the slippery Pisces moon merges with reality, bending Neptune. On top of that, Go-Getter Mars finds itself running low on energy reserves that it two squares off with Neptune. This pairing can lead to deceiving partnership involvements that you may later question. So refrain from signing contracts or entering into commitments. Gavin... And all the fictional Pisces Virgo risings on this show. We want to say we're really sorry if we've offended you with what we said tonight. It's just that we didn't see your sign. We'll see you all next week. I just hate stupid people. (laughs) They said have to wear signs and just say, I'm stupid. That way you wouldn't rely on them, would you? wouldn't ask me anything. Be like, excuse me. Oh, never mind. I didn't see your sign. It's like for my wife and I moved from Texas to California. Our house is full of boxes. There's a U-Haul truck in our driveway. My friend comes over and goes, hey, you moving? Nope. We just pack our stuff up once or twice a week. Just see how many boxes it takes. Here's your sign. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. 
You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.